Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another imaginative episode of Inspiration Point. I'm Andrew. And I'm Adam. I'm ready to imagine. Yeah, you know, come with me and you'll be in a world of pure imagination. Wow. That's that's a... very inspirational yeah it's very inspirational very exciting you know and to think that i'm the first person ever to put all those words together is you know the inspiration point podcast declares definitively that gene wilder is the superior willy wonka has anyone declared (laughs) otherwise ever uh probably someone on a tumblr page somewhere but probably the yeah. end of the list. But like, was that person sincere? Or were they just trying to stir the pot? You know, maybe trying to get Johnny Depp to like come to their house and like <laughs> try to break down their door or something so they could sue him. I mean, I can see the long game here. I don't they're think they're trying to get that Johnny Depp Jack Sparrow money. How are you doing this week? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> now, now I, I thought I was, the, I thought I was the one that was loopy. You're like out of your mind. <laughs> well, then you act like that's new. I uh, like, I want to tell you how I've been, but I also, I feel like at some point it's going to be really important to get to the bottom of this conspiracy. Yes. Um, I'm ready. In the meantime, uh, today, apart from, playing D D uh last night yeah uh this morning i or not this morning but today i wrapped up the um adjustments and uh map sketches and art briefs for right. the remaining pre-gens that i had on dangerous destinations and got those uh sent over to my editor. So that was uh, a nice little load off felt good and productive to so not, not D and D just D D just D D double D's Andrew's double, double D. D's not. Well, I mean <laughs> that is it plural? Uh, I, I think yeah. mm, this, I guess, I guess there are two D's just there's uh it reminds me of Scott Pilgrim when they do the base battle. It's like D D D D D D D D. It's pretty cool. I want to. I want to listen to that. Have that you never cool. seen Scott Pilgrim? I I have seen it, but it's oh, been a long. It's been a while. Time. Okay. Yeah, it, it's one of those ones where I I saw it once and I was like that was fun and yeah. I never watched it again. Yeah. Cool. But you know that's my my life is very uh very steady. So it's you know it's never really anything too terribly crazy although i have been uh wondering how is your how's the D class been going you guys are like getting ready to wrap up the quarter right yeah getting ready to to wrap up uh, we've talked about some storytelling stuff we've gotten them to play some games and today i i disappointed everybody i told them they had to do a bunch of makeup work because a few kids uh had grades that were not satisfactory and i needed how them do you to not- Okay, this is a message directly to those students when they listen to this, because they will. You guys 
need to get your acts together. You don't know how good you got it. All right. <laughs> when we were your age, we would have killed to have a class. We would have. Yeah. Even, even within spitting distance of what you yeah. got. And you have the temerity. <laughs> they don't and know what that word means. Unmitigated gall to get an unsatisfactory grade in a cooperative storytelling read D D class. Yeah. You should be ashamed of yourselves, young men and young women, whichever you may be. Yes. Um in their defense. Get your acts together. <laughs> Don't defend that. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's been weird ever since last year. Last year ruined American education as we know it, Uh, even more so than it was already pretty bad off (laughs) prior to that. Uh, The kids all have just like depression and they're just really struggling. And, you know, so I I definitely am finding that, that this generation you know, and I, and you guys all have to understand that Andrew means well, you know, Andrew is full of love and tenderness. Um, totally. And I'm also full of hyperbole. Yes, he is. <laughs> yes. And wind. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's, let's not get out of hand here. All right. <laughs> but the, the thing I, I have found that this generation um, does not respond well to the tough love. A few of them do. But by and large, mm. they need a little love and encouragement. And, you know, they're just having okay. a rough old time. And, you know, if I find that when I try to get tough and upset, you know, and, and kind of do the Gordon Ramsay thing, you know, like what my, you know, that's what my teachers did. Right. Oh, my, yeah. te- my teachers were like, you know, shake it off. Get back to work. Are you whining? You know, like all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. And and it was like, no, I'm not whining. Right. I responded to that. They just go, yeah, I guess I give up. Yeah, I guess I'm worthless. And you have to no, you, instead you have to Bob Ross them. Right. Uh, you got to be so nice all the time. And it really it really makes a difference. They just need someone to like tell them that they're worth a dang. And uh, it makes a makes a big difference. Not that you're not doing, you know, good things for him. You are trying to be encouraging in a fun way. Mm. And I, I guess my message to everybody who's who's young right now and who's struggling is, you know, you're far from being by yourself and it'll get better. Just uh, take it one day at a time. And for what it's worth, we're rooting for you. Oh, see, like I was <laughs> I was going to come in <laughs> and like, like bring back the snark. And do the flip side and be like, hey, buddy. I'm sorry. How are you doing? <laughs> I know the show's and supposed you, to be fun. You, <laughs> you come in with like all the, the you're like dripping with sincerity. And I, yeah. I can't compete with that. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I guess uh, in lieu of saying something mildly comedic, I will instead just say, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be okay, you guys. It'll, It'll be, be right. okay. But also, okay. you're in a D&D class. <laughs> it's amazing. And uh, shake off the cobwebs. You're back in the game. Fail and, everything else. Yeah. It's fine. This class, though, Don't no fail excuses. That. Yeah, you, you know. have what it takes to achieve 
greatness. Greatness has been inside you all along. You just need to carpe the DM. <laughs> there Seize you go. the day. Seize the day, kids. Yes. So, do it. Do it. Do you it. can. Just do it. That's an order. That. <laughs> would you like fries with that? <laughs> yes, I would. Thank you very much. I had a salad for dinner last night. Good on you. Last night. Last night doesn't matter. Tonight. This night. The night that we are currently on is the night on which I had a salad. And it was delicious. I uh, ate red beans and rice. A little little, little gumbo pot. It's good. Ooh, there you go. Yeah, man. Uh, My wife makes that. I always want to go back for seconds. But if I do, my guts are going to let me know that was a bad choice. Don't so, do that. Don't push your luck. Don't push or your luck. luck. will push you back. It really, really will. <laughs> um, I had a really good week. Otherwise, um, um, well, for the most part, I I got to do this really fun thing on a Sunday where I got to teach a family about some D&D stuff. And that's so cool. I got to make a little scratch uh, from that. And they were just nice. absolutely delightful and, and fun to spend time with. And they really uh, responded well to the to the game. And it was, uh, you know, we talked about save the cat before, you mm-hmm. know, in that in that first session, it was just it was just cat saving left and right, man. Yeah. You, you know, we're just save all the cats. We're just trying to establish all the characters as sympathetic and likable um, as much as we can. Um, got to you speak with animals. I love speak with animals, dude. Uh, it's, so it's a great spell. Good. Um, I do speak with animals very differently from what the, the uh, player's handbook suggests. I like to give the animals full on personalities, right? Yeah. And usually they're, they're pretty predictable. You know, the, you know, rats are, are kind of snarky. They're like New Yorkers, you know, the, Oh, totally. Horses are, you know, I'm a horse and I'm here to teach you about life. Right. And they always have like all those wisdom that, yeah. you know, you to just share full on Disney anthropomorphic. Yeah. You know. Every dog is just dug from up. Right. You know, <laughs> hello. Squirrel. I am my, I am your best friend <laughs> and I love you. Right. And it's I all, love you. And it's, uh, it's great. And the, uh, you know, kids really respond well to that. They want to, you know, talking to animals, it's a good way to go. So, you know, technically you're only supposed to, you know, they're supposed to act like animals. They can only convey very simple information, but I'd like to do, uh, I like to go that extra mile. And I think it's just, it's it, like, I, I treat it more like short-term awakening. Yeah. You know? And I think it's a lot more fun that way. And uh, people seem to really enjoy that. It's a good comedy bit too, for the most part. Oh, I love that kind of stuff. I mean, yeah. honestly, if, if questioned about it, I would probably explain it more that uh, like you, you can, your character is doing like the cronk thing. Squeak, squeaker, squeak, squeaking. Squeakity. Yes. He yes. did what? Like anyone listening in yeah. would hear you just chittering away nonsensically, but you and the chipmunk are like on the same wavelength now and your chittering makes sense to one another. By the way, when you snap out of it, boom, Kronk is the absolute gold standard of how to make a likable character. Oh, my gosh. Like, try really try to think about it. Really try to think of one character out there in media that's more likable than Kronk. 
Mm-hmm. It's not there. That's not a thing. It's not a thing. He's the most likable character in cinema history. <laughs> it's true. What? Like, <laughs> and he's 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 a bad guy's thug, right? He's the he's the lieutenant of of the final boss. By the way, Isma is also very likable. <laughs> she really is. She's just an absolute delight. And I, you know, that movie just kind of top to bottom is just awesome. It's it's so good. But Kronk, man, it's just it, there's just something about it. You know, you you he's got to do things that that get you on his side. That you know, he does the like audience winking, but it's not obnoxious. You know, yeah, he's got this like, like sort of childlike innocence, but he's also very sort of witty they they just strike this great balance and it just really works and the so, so i think if you look at your story and like no one likes your character you should just ask how could i have been more like Kronk? w w k d what would Kronk <laughs> what do, Kronk do? Yeah, i mean man. he the instant that he started uh humming his own uh, uh, secret agent spy movie music while he was <laughs> sneaking out of town that sealed the freaking deal. I love how he, he knew all the shorthand for like all the like diner dishes and uh, you know, oh, amendments yeah. to the dishes. So uh, good, you know, <laughs> dude, mad know. props to all the short order cooks out there. You guys are the real MVPs. <laughs> By the way, if you're ever mean to the person serving your food, first of all, not cool. Second of all, don't do that. Not a good strategy. You know, they're no. in full control of the things you're ingesting. You should be very kind to that person every also, time. Also, uh, now you should only go watch this if you are a grown up. Uh, but there's an oldish comedy movie with uh, Ryan Reynolds from back in the day called Waiting. Um, and that will show you straight up what, <laughs> what happens. <laughs> some of these disgusting people will do to uh, mean customers' meals. Um, yes, it is not a documentary. This is not happening for real. But oh lord, I never saw that one. It had kind of the same vibe as like Office Space, though, right? Didn't they come out sort of near each other? Um, I feel like waiting was a while after office space but you know it's it's uh it's one of those kind of workplace comedies like you get to see what goes on behind the counter you know sort of a day in the life kind of deal um but you know it's ryan ryan reynolds he's a he's a treasure oh yeah absolutely by the way if you haven't seen free guy highly recommend just an absolute great time top to bottom great date movie very good happy feels i was looking for it actually is it only in the theater right now still i think it's still in theaters uh i saw it a couple weeks ago so it 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 might not be there but i saw it at uh one of those theaters where they uh you know bring you food and uh there's like you know beer and cocktails and stuff so i really had a way to do it oh yeah it was so great and uh, then I saw like Shang Chi like a week after that, and there you go. I missed the Green Knight though. Did you get a chance to snag that one? I I pulled the Green Knight 
down. Uh, I streamed it. Oh, okay. But that was, man, that's a heck of a movie. Like it, it Heavy, gets deep. It get yeah, it gets like yeah. kind of cerebral and kind of really surreal at certain points. Um, yeah, that's what I understand. Like people either thought it was like just stellar or they were kind of bored. Um, I I could I could see yeah. both of those. Ha- sure, like it's. I think it's one of those movies where you just need to be in a certain headspace to to watch it. Like, I definitely if, still want to watch it. It's still on my yeah. list. Yeah, it's it's a it's a very cool movie. Um, before we get into our topic tonight, yeah. and while we are on the topic of TV shows, I sure do need to give this a shout out to. I don't know if you have watched this. So maybe I'll ask, have you seen Ted Lasso yet? So that's definitely on my list. My boss says I absolutely must watch it. And I've seen a few clips. And from what I've seen of it, um, it looks really impressive. I think I also saw uh, one of the YouTube channels I watch is Charisma on Command. And I Mm -hmm. think they had an episode where they talked about that movie. And I was like, man, I want to see that. But I hear it's an absolute must if you're in any sort of like coaching, teaching situation. Oh, my God. I as far as like TV comedies and stuff go. That was on Apple TV, right? Yeah. And it's for what it is. It's it's perfect. Well, it seems like it's very much up our alley. Let's say the alley of this show, right? Yeah, I'm well, I mean, yes, it is up our alley. That is that is for sure. But the like the attitude that it approaches all of its content through like the the lens through which the showrunners are putting this show across and just the attitude of I mean, I I don't want to spoil it because it's such a pleasant surprise um but the just the way that the show goes about everything that it does i feel so good yeah having watched that show it is not many things give you that feeling you know in the same way especially nowadays you know it's that's nice so it's i definitely want to watch it Definitely don't spoil it, but you know, I, I, I think, and that's what I hope people kind of get from this show is that sort of, Hey man, feeling happy is kind of, you know, fun. Let's give yeah. that a try. Even, uh, even free guy kind of gets on that a little bit. Um, nice. and it, and I really like it, how it sort of has that light, but not preachy commentary mm. about how we look at video games. Right. And yeah. And how we interface with like fun and what, what developers think the market is and, you know, is that an accurate representation of us? And it, it, it doesn't go like full on onto that because ultimately that's not the story it's telling, but there is that commentary there that I did appreciate. Um, and yeah. so I, I definitely want to watch Ted Lasso and get something very, very similar. Jason Sudeikis is fantastic. Uh, I loved his he Mitt Romney back me in the day, away, man. Um, he is He's he fun. is spectacular. I mean, the whole cast of the show is really incredible. Um, as far as like straight up acting chops and stuff, both he and 
uh, Bill Hader, uh, who of late has done Barry on HBO. Yeah. That dude is out of this world too. But we have been introing yeah. for like 20 minutes, but it's all good stuff. So I have no regrets. TV recommendations, guys. There you go. Yes. TV and film. Yes. This is what we recommend. <laughs> so uh, go watch some stuff. Get inspired. Get inspired. Um, and speaking of getting inspired, uh, here's our topic for Sweet. tonight. Let's hear it. Our topic for this evening is making stuff up. Okay. <laughs> so I thought yeah. I thought I thought this could be fun because this is something that a lot of GMs, including us, run into. I would say all GMs run into this on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, one of the things they they say that is uh, a, a little bit of a uh, um, a uh, a slight change or play off of uh, I think the art of war um, where the original saying is that like no plan or no strategy survives contact with the enemy. And for RPGs, they say like no prep survives. I think that's a patent quote. Um, or something is like it? that. It's not from Art of War. Um, oh, no. Well, um, but yeah, sure of, how much I know. <laughs> well, I, it's a I, thing somebody said once. It is a thing someone said. I've heard that before. But yeah, I think it, I want to say that's Patton. Um, but, but at uh, any rate, <laughs> at any rate, <laughs> the, the idea is that you know you can prep till you're blue in the face, but ultimately during your session, typically. Someone is going to do something that you didn't plan for. And it's very easy for us to feel like we are playing off the back foot when that happens or um, you're stuck. It can get you stuck in this weird headspace where you're like, okay, how can I steer things back to where I have things prepped or what do I say now that I don't have anything to really guide me? Um, I gotta tell you, man, like I think that we definitely need to take a page out of Sly Flourish's book here. Mm-hmm. I, the, that last session I ran on, on Sunday for that family. Uh, I mean, I, I had just a couple of footnotes. I mean, really, it was, it was very little. And it went great. And with my students, I like almost intentionally under prep and it goes great with Mm. my like hardcore groups. I spend hours prepping and we have more arguments. There's more turmoil. Uh, Mm. Things don't necessarily always make sense. Um, I mean, I had a bunch of turmoil in one of my groups uh, this last week. Mm-hmm. And it was largely centered around um, a lot of out of game planning and prepping. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of that was was on me to try to create what I thought was a really, really, really cool um, series of events. And um, it just didn't jive with everyone. Yeah. Um, and I was like, you know, if I had listened to our own advice a little bit more, 
mm. regarding that and just sort of stepping back and letting things sort of be, um, you know, it might've, might've gone a lot better, you know, when, when things are hyper prepped, we become rigid in our thinking. Correct. But we want to do it because we're so scared of that moment where we have nothing to say. And Mm -hmm. when the players go, well, what happens? And then you say, I don't know, but I have to tell you that moment almost never comes. Um, Especially after you've been doing it for a long time. And and a lot of this is just practice and building up those muscles, but sure. You know, some, when you're in the moment and you're feeling the energy, you can usually tell what the right answer is. Oh, yeah. And and you should, you know, follow the winds, you might say. Right. And I think that that's that's just so much more important. It's so much more important to to remember what's happening now and to take notes on what has happened uh, so that you can allow cause and effect to happen uh, without worrying about your grand design, you know, worrying about the tapestry because you're going to get overly attached to those things and they're going to lead you astray because ultimately they are your creation, but the game is a collective creation. And that's something that we need to remember. It's very important. So, and I, I completely agree with that. Um, And I, prior to this evening, I put together uh, one of my, you know, my trademark Andrew lists. Great. Uh, (laughs) And I was trying to think of how speaking about making stuff up could be most helpful. And where my brain went was trying to think up the places where where we might most often find ourselves getting stumped in a game and what the answer to those kinds of situations are. So I'm just going to run down the list real quick and then we'll dive into them. Um, But it's just four things basically. And okay. um, Let me know if I, if I miss anything in here, but I actually ordered these uh, in order from kind of easiest to deal with to trickiest to deal with. The first one is just, if you don't know or don't remember a rule and no one else uh, knows either. Um, so that's the first one. Just just uh, not being sure what a what a rule is. Um, the second one is your players want to interact with someone or something that you didn't plan for. Yeah, sure. Then your players want to explore somewhere you didn't plan for them to go. And then lastly, your players want to pursue something that you didn't plan for them to pursue. Um, yeah. Meaning in terms of uh, on that last one, pursuing something like the, like the player's main goal straight up changes from yeah, what sure. you thought it was to mm-hmm. something perhaps totally different. Um, but we'll jump mm-hmm. back to that in a little bit. Uh, yeah, I think that's a good list. I think that's something that we that we all have to fight with. So, yeah, definitely. So I think for the first one, 
um, where you most often uh, might find yourself stumped is just either not knowing or not being able to quickly recall a rule. Yeah. And as far as that goes, I say, unless someone can, can find that rule in like literally a couple seconds, just make a ruling and go with your gut, whatever feels right. And then stay consistent with that for the rest of the evening, unless somebody in the meantime figures out Mm -hmm. what you're supposed to do. Um, Otherwise you just make your ruling and you can make up whatever rule you want to make up for whatever you need in the moment. And then go look up the rule after the game. Hmm. And then you just tell your players, okay, from now on, it's going to be whatever we looked up. So I, I think that one's simple enough. Just, you know, if it's a rulings thing and you don't know what the book says and no one can find it quick enough, just go with your gut and then look it up after the game. And that'll help you keep things moving. Yeah, I think that's definitely one way of doing things. I think there's a few ways to approach this and Mm -hmm. it kind of, I guess, depends on what you want to get out of it. You know, uh, we played with a lot of rules that like were carryovers from like third and fourth edition for a while. Yeah. There were rules we just straight up didn't know. And then when then we got a player who was a lot more up on on the specifics of fifth edition and we had to make some adjustments. And I think that there is definitely something to be said of going, well, this is kind of important. So let's let's take a moment and and look it up. And yeah, it's going to slow down action now. But in the long run, we're now going to know the rule, you know, and that's very good as well. And I, I don't say that to take away from what you've said. I think sure. they're both good, right? I think they're both good ideas. Um, right. You know, but I think the the key word that you did say there was consistency. You know, right. whatever whatever you do to one side, you have to do to the other, right? That's one of the rules yeah. in, in math. And, you know, if I if I give the monster a break and I, and I apply a certain rule to him, then that same rule should apply to the players. And if it does change, if that rule does change, then yes, I would probably say that should change for next time. Right. Right. And, and that's okay. And then that needs to be clearly established, not a, Oh, by the way, this time when you want to do it, it doesn't work. Right. And because then that becomes their expectation and that can create a lot of frustration. Right. So that's, that's what what I've got for uh, for number one. Um, number another thing, oh, if if I could just throw this yeah, in yeah. real quick, sure. You know, you don't have to gain encyclopedic knowledge of the player's handbook and the DMG overnight. D- you know, give yourself a challenge to like learn one thing a day, right? right. If, if you can do that, you will greatly enhance your knowledge. You know, I was writing uh, a little written exam for my class. And I was going over the section about ability scores and I, and in all the years I've been playing fifth edition, I completely missed the section about group skill checks. And, you know, the idea that if you have everyone make the check, you sort of say, okay, did most of you pass? Okay. Then the group passes, you know, I had always been doing the, well, you're trying to sneak along and then the paladin screws it all up. Right. Yep. And it, and it's just, it's just right there in the vanilla print. You know, 
And yeah. it was just something I hadn't bothered to, to look at. I had just assumed. So, you know, just give yourself a challenge. Every day I'm going to know one more thing. If you make a character that, hey, my whole thing is grappling, maybe know, know how grapple works. That's probably a good idea. Then you can teach your group how it works. There you go. So there you go. 100%. Cool. Let's see. So number two, and this is this is one where uh, I think we have a lot of fun too. Uh, Lay it on me. Number two is your players want to interact with someone or something you didn't plan for. So sure, yeah. you're talking like a person or a creature. Um, yeah. And the answer I have is for for names, use a generator. If you need something quick on the fly, just use a generator. Then think about how the PCs approached the interaction and use that as a base for how the NPC will act. Think about what your PC might want and aim your interactions toward that. Once finished, if you think there's a good reason for that NPC to come back, write down a few notes to help you remember their particulars. For sure. And I, I think it. that that's not too bad. Um, I do like name generators. I also like names that that mean things. I don't mind if a name is a little bit on the nose. A lot of D&D names give hints as to what we're talking uh, about. Oh, sure. You know, I'm just thinking if you need something that's really on the fly, like yeah. you don't have time to yeah. think super poetically, you know, it's just like that's well, it also doesn't have to be super poetic. If if I name my character Greenleaf Swiftwind, mm-hmm. you know, what race do you think it probably is? Dwarf. Bruh. <laughs> what? Dwarves don't don't like trees? I mean, no, they don't like trees, Andrew. What's wrong with I you? I know. <laughs> I've read Order of the Stick. I know. Right. But, you know, like stuff like that, that's it's a, fine. It's an elf for anyone out there who... Who thought I was being serious? Um, you can always do a um, uh, a play on a normal name, you know. So uh, I don't know if their name is, it, it, you know, Gregory. You know, you might go, you know, Gregor or something sure. like that. Um, you know, that way it sounds a little bit more medieval-y. Uh, one of the DM screens, I can't remember which one, but it's one of the fifth ed ones, has literally like a name dice roll generator where it just has on. you know pieces like syllables and you just roll there on the go. table and you can quickly make up any name that way so that's kind of neat uh, yeah. although you might get some interesting combinations oh totally there i mean you can always a, look around the room and <laughs> i love lamp <laughs> yeah p uh tear griffin, griffin. Peter oh. Griffin. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that happens all the time. Obviously, I've got, um, you know, my bard who has a very unfortunate name um, because I was caught off guard in, in this very way where they're like, what's your name? And I'm like, ah, and then I said an expletive and now that's his name. Ah, uh, yes. Yes. But he's he's a beloved character now. You know, <laughs> he's He's a good guy. He's a good guy. We He's a like good guy, him. you know, um, so that happens. So yeah, generators are great. Um, and then I really like the advice that, um, your friend Nate gave us. Yeah. 
uh, where he talked about using uh, like an animal yep. as like an insta, you know, descriptive word, you know, yep. like, oh, I didn't because a name is only a piece of it. Now it's like, well, what kind of character is he? Mm-hmm. Well, he's uh, rabbit. a tiger or a rabbit yeah. or he's a, you know, a, a mongoose, you know, whatever. Mm. And and we can kind of do some personification there and, and quickly add on a, a quick characterization. Right. You know, um, sometimes, you know, certain designs can be really on the nose, but that also makes them easy to remember. Um, you know, it might be very common to have a, a dwarf with a Scottish accent who does your smithing, but everyone's going to remember that person now because yeah. it's what you expect. Right. So, that you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. Also, there is this thing where um, keep everything really general, and wherever your players sort of focus attention, that's where you build out from. Right. And we've talked about that in the past before. Like you know, Jenny was never supposed to be super important, and then she ended up becoming important. Right. Uh, because you guys basically decided she was important, and Correct. and I think that's part of the reason why a lot of those players like her is because they feel personal buy-in with her. She wasn't right. dictated to the party. She was largely created by them. Right. So, um, you know, don't, you know, the, what one answer that's going to apply to a lot of this is if you're having a lot of stress as a GM, you may be taking on too much and not having enough fun by allowing the players to generate and help you do these things, uh, even unwittingly, you get to experience that discovery for yourself, and it's a, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, agreed. When you and when you get really good at this, you have like four or five, six GMs, and you're the player. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So that's a good feeling when that when that works. It is, and I think um, you know the the whole uh, pressure to prep thing. You know that's that's something that I. Uh, I definitely can suffer from and especially the fact that I'm running a module right now yeah, for sure yeah. that if you're going completely homebrew, it's, I think it's much easier to just kind of let go or not feel you're like, not trying to live up to being consistent with, right. It's like yeah. I have certain beats that I need to make sure I hit. <laughs> And then if, if I feel like I've got it figured out, oh, how am I going to hit these beats? And then something goes off the rails and I go, oh God, did I just botch the whole thing? Um, And spoiler, the answer is no. (laughs) There's always a way to bring things back. You know, I I will say this, that I, you know, definitely newer GMs really struggle with this because if they will, um, they will under prep and then they will get scared. Yeah. Um, when you, when you face them with one of these things and they'll just sort of stare at you, you know, terrified. And, you know, and I think that comes from them thinking that your expectations are, are, are a certain way, but, you know, try to think of it like when a friend of yours gets up to do a performance or a presentation or sings a song or, you know, something like that, you know, people in that room, they're not rooting against that person. They don't want to see them fall flat. Typically we're all cheering for each other mm. deep down. And, you know, maybe not you're, maybe you're not cheering for the guy you're watching on American Idol, but 
you know, don't, nobody wants to see, you know, for the most part, if you're a decent person, you don't want to see people fall flat on their face. Right. People are cheering for you. They've shown up at your table and they want to have a good time. And, you know, uh, you know, if you, if you relax a little bit, they'll relax a little bit and you, you might just discover a lot of things you didn't expect and have a really, really pleasant experience. Yeah. I think so too. Yeah. I think that's why I really like, I don't like full on modules. I mean, maybe it's just because Storm Kings was a particular challenge, but I definitely think um, things are really good ideas like, uh, you know, Candle Keep Mysteries and um, uh, Ghost of Salt Marsh, things where there's like these smaller adventures or maybe one of the fine adventures, smaller little adventures that is presented by Nord games, right. Or some other third party <laughs> company, you know, those might be good choices to say, okay, I'm, I don't, I'm not trying to do storm King's thunder, but I can do lost mines. Right. Right. Um, and I, and that can easily lead into this, you know, level three spider cave dungeon that takes us to level four. And that can be part of a storyline that goes into something else. And you can just kind of string those together. And I think that that's a good way to to both prep, but also let the game be sort of dynamic and spontaneous. Right. Um, though I I do I do want to pull it back uh, a little bit, um, okay. just because this uh, this initial portion uh, is mainly focusing on um, how to deal with. Basically, your your players trying to interact with a person that you hadn't really planned on, um, and the name generators and stuff are a great tool to get a name just on the fly because every GM out there has you know been stuck in the hot seat when one of their players goes. Uh, what's their name? And you just, I've sat there going, uh, uh and I yeah. also have been the person maliciously asking that question with just a big grin on my face. Oh, no, I yeah. You, I can hear the grin over the microphone. <laughs> For sure. I, 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 name? I think to that, I would also say, you know, you can be up front and be like, hold on. Oh, totally. And then, and then look it up and go, his name is, and this is his name now. Right. Right. And and I think that's okay. But I, I, ideal, also, perhaps, but. I also just didn't want, I didn't mean to get stuck on the name part because that's only the, you know, the most cursory thing as far as what you do with the character. Um, I liked what you said when, uh, when you were, you were mentioning, look at what your players are doing or what your players are giving you and build off of that, because that's exactly what you should do. Basically when your PCs come in and start addressing that, that NPC, let them be the driver. So that that's a nice cue when you get into a situation where you're not sure what's going on to kind of piggyback off of what you were just saying, Adam, let, let your players kind of take the reins. Don't tell them that that's what you're doing, but 
if they go up to a shopkeeper, instead of having that shopkeeper just start offering a bunch of stuff, maybe the shopkeeper just asks, what can I help you with? Or, you know, allow your NPC to start using some open-ended questions or whatever, and then your players will be able to basically point you in the direction that they want that NPC to go. And then you're basically just deciding, okay, am I okay with the NPC going in that direction or do I want them to go a different way? And then you just play that out whichever way you feel most comfortable with. Maybe you're doing a voice, maybe you're not. Maybe, you know, you've got, you know, some little gimmicks. I wasn't planning on running uh, Blinsky uh, two weeks ago when we did Strahd. But turned out that that's where the PCs wanted to go. And you just use a few little notes that you may have on hand for, you know, anything to get your brain going. Find something that feels good in your head and just build on it. It might be just finding a funny accent. It might be, you know, using a, if it's a shopkeeper, you know, maybe he's really trying to sell something real hard or maybe, you know, he's got a funny attitude or, you know, something you can pick like phrase, whatever, just one little thing and just build on it and, and go and just let it be this fun, uh, little experience that one of the coolest things about this interaction because this is one of the few ones where it's it actually gets pretty easy to do it on the fly is that it it can definitely become a very genuine completely improvised scene because your players are interacting with someone they didn't plan on interacting with yeah. and you are playing the part of a person you hadn't planned on playing so neither side quite knows where this might go or so even if you can spend yeah you you can spend a lot of time sitting down and writing out like a bunch of details about uh, an npc oh dude and then the players will come up and you won't remember it and if you sit there and and you're like trying to look at your notes you probably aren't going to remember much right you're going to you're going to want to be able to look down and go this is Bevan. He's a Smith. He's a beaver. Yep. And then you want to be Bevan the Smith. And and then you talk like the old prospector, you know, and you've got a little bit of a whistle when you speak, you know, whatever it is. And, and, you know, and that's all you, that's all you know. And the rest of it is just like, uh, you know, making it up on the fly and journaling. Right. Like, Mm. you know, you just take a note and when something comes up, you're like, oh, that was an idea I stole from a movie I saw like a year ago. That's now part of his character. Right. Now you write that down. You know, you and I both study game development. Right. Right. And when it comes to like building a level for a video game, you know, developers don't build every little building and not every building has an interior. A lot of buildings are just walls with doors painted on them. Oh, man. You go look at something like uh, for anyone uh, who doesn't mind uh, some good old 
uh, non-politically correct Mel Brooks, go back and watch <laughs> Blazing Saddles. And they have like sets that are like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you straight up see like these old West towns where it, everything is l- just a total sham. It's you have the <laughs> face of the building that's all painted up nice. And the camera goes around to the side and it's literally just, just well, legs propping. And that's the literally thing up. how a, how a stage works, right? When they're right. building the set, everything's sort of impressionist and it's just, yeah, you get that. This is the old courthouse. They didn't build a courthouse, right? That doesn't right. make any sense. So unless we're going to spend a lot of time somewhere, we're not going to apply that much detail. And Correct. if we look behind the curtain, it's going to look ugly because why work on presenting something the player is never going to see. Right. And the same thing is true in D and D don't build out every personality for your entire town in detail before session one, to. you'll You're be tempted to do to. it. But that temptation, it doesn't come from you being such a hard worker. It comes from you being insecure. And so when you or, get into that moment, you, again, you build detail where the players are looking and let them communicate that to you through the game. And I would probably recommend not asking them too much uh, outside the game, what they, what they want about that. Let it happen and react and then track, you know, players should be taking notes. Should, so should DMs. Mm. And eventually you'll have an NPC that is very detailed, that has a lot of character, that has a lot of notes, but it'll be a more natural and an impressive process. Um, right. You will be happier as a result. And so will your players, frankly. Yeah, agreed. So very another good. thing on your list was about like locations, right? Yeah, your players want to explore somewhere that you didn't plan for them to go. So this is where I think having that encounter table is very useful because sometimes you're like, okay, I'm going to send them to the lost mines. And then they're like, I'm not going to go to the last lost mines. I'm going to go to this other thing. And sometimes you can just say that other thing is also the lost mines, but is now reskinned and that can work. Sure. But sometimes the idea, like the new direction is so different. All you can do is buy time. Combat can eat up a lot of time. Yeah. And, and your random encounters, you know, that's something that you can build up before everything. You should have brief notes. They should be relevant to the world and to the plot, you know, on some, some at least tangential degree, but you can always go to that. And that can be in the wilderness that can be in town, you know, things can happen on our way to the next thing. So that would be my initial knee jerk. Uh, advice for Mm. for that situation and that's that's really good i mean being able to buy yourself time is certainly certainly very important um and combat in particular random encounters are a great way to kind of be able to just chew some of that time up um what i have thought in terms of actually trying to make up a place on the fly like okay you guys wanted to go you know you broke into an abandoned house and you're trying to look around and see what the deal is 
you didn't prepare an abandoned house. You didn't prepare anything like an abandoned house, but they're there now. You know, there was no reason that they couldn't get in there. So you let it happen. And now they're, they're inside as far as maps go. If you need one, if you have to have one, like you are sure somehow that combat is going to happen in there or there are traps or if spatial relationships between things are going to be really, really important, then you need a map. Unless those things are the case, go theater of the mind. Go just completely descriptive until you realize, man, the only way to reasonably deal with this is by having a map. And in that case, use a blank map. If you've got like, you know, they make wet erase grid uh, maps. Those work really well. Yeah, some of them are dry erase too, which is very nice. It's very yeah, handy. Yeah, super cool. Use that and sketch it out real rough. Like, shouldn't take you more than a minute or two. You know, make two lines to show either side of a road. Make a box. You know, don't, you're not, you know, trying to get into art school. I think that that's, that's all really good advice. Like, you know, sometimes switching to theater, the mind can produce some really fun scenes. Totally. Um, you know, I, I've been mapping out all my roll 20 games in, in a, quite a lot of detail mm. for the places we want to go, but some of the most fun players have had has been, okay. They ran after this character outside the map. Okay. Now I'm going to theater of the mind that section and yeah. that, and that gives us like this freedom to be really dynamic in that scene. And then it almost kind of feels like a cutscene in a video game. Right. And that can be a nice break from the, the grid based, you know, war game that we're, that we're playing right. that can eat up a lot of time. So that's really good. And then, yeah, if nothing else, blank map, draw boxes, even on roll 20, just, yep. you know, okay, listen, this is the boundary of the building here's where like a table is yes this isn't fully furnished but those details don't really matter you know i wasn't planning for this so here's what you have yeah and i think that that's totally fine right and i think players are just thrilled as long as they feel like they have agency and that you respect them and that you're like um reacting to what they want and that you're you're doing your best to provide something interesting for them. Yeah, absolutely. So, and you know, to your point about theater of the mind potentially, you know, depending on the players being more fun. I mean, having those like dead simple maps or no maps at all. Um, I discovered a while back, uh, even through a lot of our own campaigns. Um, that in some ways I actually prefer a more bare bones map or no map at all. Um, unless it's 100% crucial because I feel like as cool as a lot of the maps that are out there now are, and there are some incredible ones, like, especially when you get into the animated ones and it's just like, 
the production really cool. value of your game, especially if you're running digital, can go through the roof. But it also, at least to me, has this drawback of basically telling my imagination that it what doesn't, it yeah. that it can just take the night off. Here you go. This is what's there in exquisite detail. Okay, so now my brain's going to go wander. Where before, if someone, if you had just scrawled out a few lines, you're like, okay, this is a cliff. These are a bunch of trees. This is a rock. This is, you know. Then you fill in those gaps. And and that makes you a lot more engaged. Right. No, right. I, I think I tend to agree with that, you know. And I think that everything has its value. And certainly there are some great set pieces where a little presentation oh, can totally. certainly be warranted. But yeah, like... I, I think the main takeaway here is don't feel obligated to, you know, you know, produce this like pseudo video game for people. Right. Cause that's ultimately really not what we're here to do. Right. And, uh, focus on the things that, that are important, prepare the things that, that do matter. Right. Uh, because the more time you spend on getting that map perfectly, especially if you make it, um, the more you're going to try to force your players to do exactly those things. And then when they don't do those things, you're going to be really stressed out. Right. Um, and then that can really suck. And so I think you also bring up a really good point of, Hey man, maybe don't spend so much time on the details. Although I will say sometimes those details Sometimes you're just filling in junk that you think would probably be there. And then sometimes your players like hyper focus on something and then you can turn it into a thing you didn't plan on. Right. Which, I, which is something I've, I've talked about on this show before where you guys got obsessed with like a book or something. And so I started just filling it with stuff, yeah, you know, on exactly. the fly and, and made it important as a reaction. And, and that, so that's cool. But you know, um, I will say this also try to stay away from responses of you don't really find anything. You don't really say anything. Nothing really happens. You ask mm. a guy a question. He says, I don't know. Right. Like try not to like produce these like dead ends um, yeah. because it can make a player kind of feel like maybe you don't think they came up with a good idea or maybe they feel a little dumb or that you're just wasting their time. Like they're trying to move things forward. So have it go somewhere, right? Give them like a hint, give them a little bit of flavor, a little exposition, you know, whatever, but just try to stay away from stuff like, well, you look in there and nothing really happens. It seems kind of empty and um, you shrug and leave. Right. It's like, great. That was thrilling. Well, one one good way to do that is, you know, the 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 improv uh, rule of yes and gets yeah, talked about a lot with with those situations like like you're talking about a nice uh, alternative phrase to keep in your mind is no but. It's like, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. You don't find this. They don't know this. You don't get exactly, you don't find what you want, but here's what you need. <laughs> like, 
that's especially good. Like if you just as a reaction and I do this all the time, you ask for a skill check, but you really need them to make it. And then mm-hmm. they fail. What, you know, are they roll low? Like, yeah. yeah, you can give them partial success, but you can also say you absolutely fail at looking for the thing that you're looking for because you totally but. get distracted with this other detail. And this is the information you get from that, you know? You and go. so, you know, no players are going to be pissed at you for turning their two into a success. Oh, for <laughs> sure. How so dare just, you just go there a different way. Um, Another thing that I think is good advice is presenting your players with clear, um, clearly defined decisions. Because I think most of the chaos ensues when you say you're in a town. What do you do? Like, okay, I'm going to tell you what they're going to do. It's called chaos. It's called ruining your game, right? You want to give pretty clear decisions so that they feel that they have autonomy, but you have control. And so I gave some of my players in a recent game uh, a couple of options for different quests. They all lead to the same dungeon. Mm. Um, I have little notes that slightly change the dungeon based on which option is there, but they're the same place. Mm. And of course, you know, it doesn't it won't matter to them. The only thing that would suck is if they go, well, we're going to do all three that I might want to prep a little more. But it's, uh, you know, one of those situations where, OK, well, let's just draw some hallways yep. and let's let's get it done. Right. So yeah. I, I wouldn't necessarily recommend making the same destination, the answer for all three questions every time, because I think your players will pick up on that eventually. Um, plus, it's just not as much fun for you. But in right. a pinch, I think it's a good idea. Right. Yeah. Like, um. Guys, you really need to go to the um, orc, you know, encampment. Oh, we don't want to go to the orc encampment because my character is afraid of orcs. Oh, yeah. Dang, I forgot about that. That was in his backstory. It's like, uh, that's okay. Well, you get another quest and it's like something to do with bandits. Okay. We want to go to the bandit camp instead. Sweet, because it's the same layout. Right. And Mm. that. And unlike Dragon Age 2, they're never going to go there and see that it was the same one. (laughs) Oh, geez. Because you're not going to reuse the the same map another time, right? Maybe Maybe you'll bring it over to a different campaign altogether, but you're not going to, you know, in the same campaign, keep going to the same spot. That doesn't make any sense. Sure. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. We're starting to to run a little long, so I'm going to try to burn through the rest of this a little quick. Well, there was only one more thing, right? There was one more thing. Okay, um, what's the one more thing? Well, real quick on this last point, I wrote myself a few little sub notes uh, yeah. to, to help if you run into the situation where your players are wanting to explore somewhere you didn't plan uh, for them to go. First thing I would ask yourself is, is this significant uh, to a major plot element? Like, is this something that really they ought to be doing? Or maybe this is something that you should have thought of um, that maybe you just didn't. At the very least, this might be a, um, a learning experience for you to look at like, okay, 
this is a good example of how my players think. And, you know, this didn't occur to me before, but maybe it should have because of this and this or, you know, something like that. So keep an eye out for whether your players wanting to go explore this place you didn't prep is actually important to the plot in general. Uh, Secondly, ask yourself if you can organically redirect the PCs. Is there a way that is not abrupt or super jarring to just gently steer them back in the right direction? If you can do that, go ahead and do that. Sometimes you just need to take a, you know, a quick breather to realize it, but stop and think, okay, is there a way to move them maybe in a direction that is less stressful for me, but still satisfying for them? And then this last one will play into our last point because it's pretty much the only answer to that one. But the answer is can also be take a break, whether it's a short break, a long break, or even ending the session. If what they want to do feels important enough to you to go, I need to do a little bit of planning for this. It's okay to ask for that. You know, at the worst, you would want to cancel the session or end it early so that you can really give this thing the time that it deserves. But also just straight up tell your players that and go, look, what you guys want to do is a really cool idea. And I really dig it. I am not prepared for this. And I want to make sure that we do this thing right. So we'll end it early, pick up next time. Maybe you have a smaller session somewhere in the middle of the week. Or, you know, if if you've still got like a couple hours left, maybe you bust out a board game or, you know, I'll go jump on a video game together or something. There's always other things that we can do together while uh, giving the GM the time they need if they need it. Yeah, so, you know, it, it, it's definitely not my favorite response. Of course it, not. No. And it's not yours either, but it is it is a, a response, which I think sometimes is, is merited. I think you got a couple of hours left. I think that it's, I think you do random encounters. I think that would be good. Um, but, you know, you end half an hour early. Nah, okay. You know, uh, people got other things they would like to probably do anyway. But if everyone showed up and they got to get rides and stuff, you know, that's something. To think oh, about. sure. Um, I, I definitely have the mantra of the show must go on. Right. I've said that many times. And so I like saying, hey, you signed up for X amount of hours. You're going to get X amount of hours. But I would say as long as you use this very, very sparingly. It's not an outright sin. Um, but, you know, d- definitely respect that other people are spending time with your with your game and, and have committed to it. So. Sure. But at the same time, you're right. You don't want to, like, force it, and then it sucks, right? So it's... Yeah. Uh, but it is, a, it, it is a tool in the tool belt. Just, you know, hey, be careful. If Just to be clear... Ending the session early is the like the last thing that you want to do. Ideally, say, hey, 
you know, I I could use a few minutes to prep this. Can you know? Can we take a bathroom break or snack break or whatever? Give yeah, me five, that I like a minutes. lot better. Or like even that, just where... taking, or if it's significant, taking yeah. like a long break. Maybe you need like thirty minutes, or you know, God forbid, even like an hour. But if you guys have that kind of time to allow for that, you know, if that's what you need and you know that's what you need, it's not wrong to ask for it. With all this d- discussion of, you know, prepping a little bit less and asking your players for more time and stuff, um, I definitely want to mention that, and I, and I know I've said this on the show before, but I, you know, I had that game in the past. I've had a couple of games where the, the GM clearly hadn't done anything. And that was just a very unpleasant experience. Preparation is really important, but detailing every moment is not. Right. Um, you want to keep that fast and loose if you can. Yep. Agreed. All right. So the last point, and this will be a quick one is your players want to pursue something that you didn't plan for, uh, for them to pursue. This is basically when the goal of the general party shifts as a whole. And on the fly, this is where a lot of randomization tools can help. But otherwise, the best course of action is likely pausing the session like we were just talking about for as long as you need, because if the party's main goal, the thing that they were follow, like you're talking about potentially like plot shifting, uh, kind of, or not even shifting, like literally potentially moving from one plot, uh, course to an entirely different one. If, you know, maybe the party's interests just completely change or something. Something like that warrants taking a little bit of time and sitting down and really considering what that means for your campaign going forward. Um, so taking a little bit of time to go look, you know, maybe we need like 20 minutes. I'm going to go over here and try to puzzle out. Okay, this is now what they want to do. So where can we take things from here? Sometimes the only answer to getting stumped with bigger things like this is just time and sitting down and letting yourself think about it and not not being in a situation where you're feeling that heavy amount of pressure. Because when you're in the GM seat at the table, it's almost impossible to to not feel like you want to give that response. Oh, we want to go do this. You know, you're expecting, all right, here's what happens. But sometimes your brain doesn't have anything ready to follow that up with. So sometimes you just need to straight up say, I need some time to figure this out. And I don't think any player who's a decent person is going to begrudge you that, especially if you've been, you know, really trying and putting in the effort. And not overworking yeah. yourself, but, you know, showing that you care about the game and that you're trying to deliver a good experience, not an overproduced one, but one that's just like you said, Adam, 
respectful of the player's time. You guys are coming to play. I'm coming to play. I'm going to bring you the best that I can. Might not be the best you've ever seen, but I'm going to give you the best I got. Yeah, as long as that's not like the MO, right? If that's the modus operandi, then then you have a problem. But if it is the, like, especially as a player, if I know I've thrown a curveball and the, the GM really wants to, to help to work with me, you know, I can certainly respect, hey, uh, everybody go grab food. <laughs> you know, that's oh, sure. to- totally fine. Uh, another thing you can always do is, you know, introduce a twist or a quick conflict where, um, you know, hey, the bad guy has plans, too. The bad guy is also moving pieces around on the board that you don't necessarily see. And orcs can always just attack. Right. Mm. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. There may be moments that certainly don't call for it, but, you know, there's no reason why there aren't situations where you couldn't just say suddenly a giant knocks down the wall in attacks, you know, like combat's fun. Uh, we want to have a sense of, of progression. It also doesn't have to be combat. Um, it could be um, rolling on the urban encounters table and, um, you know, suddenly there's a commotion in the market square there you or go. whatever. Uh, something something can happen that the players don't cause that they have to react to. Um, it's kind of a way of jingling keys in front of players, if you will. There you go. You know, and so, uh, who doesn't like some jingling keys? You know, a lot of the urban encounters that I've done that I just rolled on a on a table have mm-hmm. been some of the players' most favorite moments. Oh yeah. You know? Those are freaking great. And and they're great, you know, and they just give the players a chance to express themselves in a fun, interesting way. Maybe they make one or two roles, but for the most part, it's just dialogue. So uh, that's a good time. Absolutely. Well, that's that's what I've got for uh, for my topic on making stuff up. Uh, What do you think? Yeah, I, I think there's some. I think there's some really good advice in there. You know, I would definitely recommend uh, checking out the various works by Sly Flourish. Uh, The Lazy Dungeon Master is a really fantastic book. It's a really fantastic read. It's not really going to teach you to be lazy. It's going to teach you how to use your time efficiently. Right. And to focus on those things that are, are most important. And I think that as you do this game more and more, you will be able to flex those muscles and your reflexes. Yes. Your, your reactions to what players do will become sharper and you'll be, you'll be better able to do it. One personal insight that I'll add is that I find this is easier in person, at least for me, when you're looking at people and you're feeling the energy that they're producing in that room. Sometimes that answer can come to you, but you have to be relaxed and experienced enough for that moment to arrive. And so think about the recommendations we made to you at the beginning of this episode, because as you consume media and books and things, and you really think about what they they bring, 
the bigger that library of of improv is going to come from. Yep. And you're going to have a, a deeper reservoir to draw from. So as long as it's not just passive and you're like really engaging with something, it can always be useful, especially to someone that, you know, hasn't seen it. <laughs> That's true. That's very, so, very true. There's my little wrap up summary. Good topic. I enjoyed it. Good. I'm glad. I'm really glad. Um, I think, you know, it, in a nutshell, just have fun with it and don't don't put it. Don't put a ton of pressure on yourself. I know I will be the first to say that that is way easier said than done. Oh, yeah, for sure. But at the same time, you know, we're here to create an experience together. And it is not all about you, the GM, cooking up a recipe and delivering a cooked meal to your players. Mm. You're all you're all cooking something together. And you're tasting what you're cooking while you're eating it because that's always it's Brazilian barbecue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, and I I also do want to mention related to tonight's topic, we've talked about a few of our past episodes, um, many of which, and I am not saying this to toot our own horn, but rather toot the horns of our guests because we've gotten to speak with some really wonderful people go back and listen. Even if you've listened to it before uh, our episode with Nate Stamper uh, back in season one, the episode we did about save the cat very early on in season one. um, That one talks about character likability and, um, those sorts of moments that endear us to characters. We spoke with Mike Shea, um, uh, who's a sly flourish, uh, earlier this season, we spoke with Dragna Carta, who is a big fan of his work and talks about, uh, his own prep and how he approaches these different things. Um, just to name a few. So go back take a look at the things that are still in our catalog that you maybe have forgotten about or didn't get around to listening to and see how those will flesh out how you feel about this stuff too. So now that we have had our brains all filled, thank you everybody for listening. We really, really appreciate your time. We're thankful for you sticking around with us and listening to what we've got to say we hope that we were able to engage your mind. If you would like to get in touch with us, head on over to inspirationpoint.buzzsprout.com. And if you're on desktop, in the upper right-hand corner, you'll see three little bubbles that'll take you to our Facebook, Twitter, and Patreon. And if you're on mobile, those three little bubbles will be right in the top center. If you'd like to head on over to our Patreon directly, you can go to patreon.com slash inspiration point and you can support us at a variety of levels just like Spike, Logan, Kate, and Falangor are super duper awesome patrons, which we definitely want to give an extra thank you to. And one last thing that I want to mention 
if you listen to this show on any platform that allows for reviews, please, we would love it if you would write us a review, either on the podcast platform you listen through or by heading on over to the Inspiration Point page on iTunes and writing a review there. We love to get your feedback. We love to hear from you. And that is an amazing way to do it. And it helps the show look even better on the charts and helps us get the message that love is the secret ingredient to making your tabletop experience great. Helps us get that message out to more and more people. So until next time, take the pressure off. Take a breath. Close your eyes. Breathe in through your nose, breathe out through your mouth, relax, and make it up. And until next time, stay inspired. Bye. Bye.